How's it going, everybody? Alabama gets redemption and Jordan Hare winning the Iron Bowl on Saturday. We're going to have a recap of that game, talk about Kirby Smart's exit and what that means for Alabama's future, and talk about what Alabama needs to do in Saturday at the SEC Championship to secure a spot in the college football playoff. That and so much more. This is episode 14 of Pat's Interference. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 14 of Pat's Interference. It is December 2nd. My name is Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brickman. We still have not done as many episodes as Alabama has national championships. That's an awesome That's an awesome lead-in. We didn't even Thanks. talk about that. Look at us going off the top here. Going off the top. Ladies and gentlemen, Alabama, big winners in the Iron Bowl this weekend. We're going to get all into that. We're going to talk about Kirby Heisman and Scott Cochran possibly leaving. Uh, we're going to talk about the Heisman race a little bit, and then we're going to get into some of the uh, some of the a look back, a look and review, if you will, Patrick. But first, let's go ahead, let's kick it off. Uh, well, actually, let's do this first. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T-S Interference. On Twitter, you can find us at P-I underscore podcast, or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Anything and everything that you want to say to us, those are three outlets that are great uh, great ways to reach us and contact us and stuff. If you want to be a contributor on the blog, give us a shout. Let us know. Give us 500 words or less, and uh, we'll go ahead and see what we think. Uh, now, Patrick, let's get into the Iron Bowl. You were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. You were there. It was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. I got to you be on the sideline. I applied for media passes. A uh, little job perk of working in the news, and I got them. So I went with my buddy Russell, who I actually went to college with, uh, and he works I at the station Russell. with me now. So, yeah, um, I know Russell. Good yeah, dude. Russell. Russell, Great good, good friend of mine, 37 years old. Uh, graduated from Bama, but before that, he went to Auburn uh, when he was college age. Um, and then he went back to college, went to Alabama. So he's actually an Auburn fan. It's kind of fun having that little uh, John with each other throughout the game on the sideline. But it was awesome to be there. I bet. I bet. Can I just say before we even start – that the first time Cyrus Jones touched the football, he was already yelling and <laughs> flexing on people. I just I thought that was great. I love Cyrus Jones. Go ahead and tell us what you thought about the offense. You were there. Tell us how good Derrick Henry is, Patrick. Oh, man. Well, the game was great. Uh, basically, to paint a picture, you know how Auburn is. I mean, it's the Iron Bowl <laughs> to begin with. It would be the same way in Alabama. But that's a chippy crowd. And uh, they definitely had nothing to lose and everything to prove against Alabama. So the crowd was into it. Cam Newton was on the sidelines. Um, who else? Was Bo Jackson was there. They had Josh Donaldson, the MVP third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays, was there. I didn't yep. even know he was an Auburn guy. Yep. Um, he was there. I mean, everybody was there. Every time they put Cam up, he'd pump up the crowd. The crowd would go crazy. So it was really proud, although the game was closer than a lot of Bama fans wanted proud of the way the team played the offense specifically because every time we had the ball it, pretty much at the beginning of every possession they'd show that shot of cam cam would you know pump his arms up the crowd would go crazy so henry was a monster and you didn't even realize it really while watching the game and then he got slapped in the face by his final stat 46 carries 271 yards and a touchdown coker looked uh, on and off, but really, once he became comfortable, he was 17 to 26, almost a, a buck 79 passing. He had the touchdown to Stewart, who had 81 yards and eight catches. Uh, maybe the biggest plays of the game were Coker's scrambles. If you'll remember, he had two, two that come to mind. One where he threw the touchdown, and one yep. where it was uh, 
I want to say it was a third and 11, third and 12. He got drilled, spun off. I mean, he got hit by two guys and spun off and then went down. He either got the first down or was a yard short and we, short, and we picked it up on fourth down. But that was yeah. huge. Got us people, field goal. people forget, Patrick, how big Jake Coker is. He's an inch taller than Derrick Henry, and he's 230 pounds. It's hard to bring somebody like that down. I don't care how much of a uh, stumbly, fumbly, golden retriever puppy type runner he is. Uh, Jake Coker is a hard guy to bring down. If you don't get him around the legs, it's going to be tough to bring him down in the backfield. And that was um, part of his scouting report coming from Florida State, but people just kind of forgot that because he's not featured as a runner, but he can when he needs to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As we saw in the Texas A&M game earlier this year. And you, um, see, you see guys like that. I watched yeah. FSU back in the day. Christian Ponder was like that. Uh, you always see the Donovan McNabb kind of had that running style. Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger. He doesn't really go for as many long runs, but he is hard to sack. Yeah, hard to sack. It's hard to bring down. Hard to bring down. Uh, Ardarius Stewart had a great game. Patrick had another catch that was very reminiscent of uh, of the Tennessee game. Went up top to get one. Didn't really care uh, if his back or his feet came down first. Had a touchdown pass uh, that was dropped in the end zone, made up for it a yeah, little he, bit yeah, later he hit, on. He hit the ground hard there. I remember texting you because I was on the other side of the field. Uh, Coker actually said after the game that it was a couple weeks ago that Stewart came up to him and was like, hey, man, when you're scrambling around like you like to do, look up. I'm going to try to sneak and get open. So Coker said he thought in my, in my mind, which is something a quarterback should already do, but uh, he said he looked up and just saw that Co- uh, Stewart had a couple steps on him and just threw it up. It was yeah. great. Yeah, it was great decision-making by uh, by Mad Max there. And we were uh, happy for all of a couple minutes, and then Auburn's next drive, they responded, and that's that's when I started to feel it in my stomach, man. That crowd, yeah. and then and then the, 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 the penalties there, uh, where we got the 30 yards and the crowd. I will say this about Auburn fans. I will say this about Auburn fans. They can boo better than any fan base I've ever heard. Well, they've got a lot of practice at it. They booed for, I mean, that last five minutes. Basically every play. Can you blame them? But they're good at it. No, I mean, I didn't agree with the call. I didn't agree with the call. Um, I didn't either. I think they that's didn't necessarily help their cause going nuts on the sideline either. Yeah. Now, I think I think the late hit was a good call, especially since Jake Coker ran into the bench and it made a very audible thud, both the bench and Coker. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I can't really blame him for getting mad, especially after all the times that Saban loses his mind on the sidelines. I mean, what? No, Muschamp, it was just a chippy game. I mean, I'm kind of. Muschamp must have said something really, really bad. <laughs> he must have. I, mean, I know I'm poking the Auburn fans there, but uh, no, it was just a chippy kind of game. I mean, it didn't take long for Auburn to, to quickly realize, hey, if we keep doing what we're doing, we can put ourselves in a position to win. And they almost did. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, it was still a close game. Yeah. Uh, yeah but for the sure. defense really really kind of showed why they're considered to be the best in the country. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you saw from the defensive side of the ball since you were watching it on TV. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I think the defense uh, gave up 261 yards, uh, gave up a touchdown on a, you know, what some people will call a lucky, lucky no, play. No, that was, that it was, was a, a very, hold on, catch. let me get into it. Yeah. I know, I know. I will say this. It was one of the more Auburn touchdowns I've ever seen. Yes. You're right. Uh, you know, it's it's just because even though that was very skillful for him to tip the ball to himself like that, and that's why you work on the tip drill and all that, he still had to be in the exact right place at the exact right time, have the football touch his hand in the exact right way to tip it up to himself and catch it. I mean, it's it's just you know, 
It was good. It was very good. It's very skillful. Don't get me he wrong. He tipped it twice. I think it was really more the second tip that was the skillful part. Because the first one, he just kind of threw his hand out there. That's true. That's what I mean. Yeah. Is That part is lucky. You've got to give me that at least. I'll give you that, I guess. It wasn't a helmet catch or anything like Ole Miss, but it was... Regardless, we'll call it a they did not score their touchdown because they drove down the field and dominated us for one series of the game. No, when you texted me, you texted me and said that's their one. Yeah, I said that's their play, and I'm glad it happened when it happened. Because I think if that happens later in the game, we're having a very different discussion right now. Good pressure all day, two and a half yards per rush for Auburn. There's no real big surprise there. Uh, Alabama's rush defense is great, and Auburn's run game just isn't that great. Uh, they had success early, like we mentioned, uh, Patrick, yeah. and like you and I have talked about. But I think that's more of Auburn's scheme. And I think even though they're not nearly what they used to be, it's still tricky to try and stop. I mean, sure. you have three or four options on every single play. It's just it's hard to stop. But They've been Auburn awesome had, in the red zone also. I want to go into a little bit more of Auburn before we move on and just say this. And here's what's wrong with that scheme, and Oregon's fallen into it this year. If you do not have the perfect quarterback to run that scheme, that hurry up, no huddle, triple option, read option, whatever you want to call it, if you don't have a great quarterback running that scheme, it doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. And they've proven that this season. Uh, And like I said, I think Oregon's proven that this season too. I think people thought Vernon Adams was going to be able to step up. And then he got hurt. And they didn't have a backup who could run the plays. So... You know, I, I that's all I want to say about that. Uh, I do I think I that Auburn. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. You know, a lot of people saying Gus Malzahn's on the hot seat yet. I think you give him more one more year before you start having that discussion, uh, especially with all this stuff that's going on with Les Miles. And Lord knows, uh, we're definitely going to get into that a little bit later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Special teams, Griffith, shutting you and I both up because <sighs> we hated him through week three. Yeah, we Patrick, wanted you and I were ready to kick him off the team in week three. We were. Five we, we were calling for his replacement. If his replacement hadn't gotten in trouble, we might have seen him. Yeah. Yeah. And Lord knows what would have been this game because, I mean, he had 15 points all on himself. There was one kick. It was the 50-yarder. And he went out there, and they sent a return man. And I look over to Russell, and I go, man, we both know that Griffith could make a 50-yarder. He's They're doing this to get into his head. And he yeah. agreed. And he was like, yeah, this is – this is mind games because we didn't think he was going to kick it short. The one he Shocker, kicked short Auburn two years ago to play was mind games instead of just playing football. Yeah, he but he shut him up and it was great and he kicked he nailed he had he had eight yards to spare he would have made a fifty eight yarder on that one. Yeah. Um, did he yeah, exercise I mean, his demons here? I know he downplayed it, but do you think he was nervous for this game coming back? I mean, you and I said we both saw it. He was he was looking over at that Auburn sideline like, hey. Yeah, buddy. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, he, he knows. He's got it back. You know, I, I think I we, you and I were both having a conversation a couple of weeks ago about the block at Mississippi State and whether or not that was going to be a huge factor. I don't I don't think it was a huge factor, Patrick. I, I think he's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I don't want to say he's exercises demons because I'm a very big believer in you never forget your past, uh, especially when your past includes kick six, which is by no means Adam Griffith's fault. But it's got to be a nice feeling for him to go back there and leave a lasting memory of five field goals rather than watching Chris Davis run down the sideline and losing the Iron Bowl and ending a perfect season. 
Okay, so what did he start? He started out 0 for 4, right? Uh, no. He started out – that's what – everybody forgets. He had one in the Wisconsin game. I'm looking he at had a 27-yarder in the Wisconsin game, and then he missed his next four, I think. I think he was 1 for 4. He, he start, Well, either way, he's 19 for 26 now. Yeah. He's made 73% of his field goals. So that's even better than he had last – I know he was off last year too. He was 12 for 19 last year. Now he's 19 for 26. Um, listen, I'm back to I'm back to believing in the guy. I, I think he absolutely did exercise his demons there. I think that he's gotten his confidence back. But that's what I mean when I say exercise his demons. Uh, at the end of the game, there was about – seven eight minutes on the clock and we got the ball back and this is where russell looked over at me again auburn fan and he goes this is the game you know and i'm like what do you mean he goes this is the saving time uh i'd love to say that we were closer but this is where you guys are just going to keep handing it to henry till the game's over yeah and he was like 90 percent right because they did stop us on fourth down then we got him four and out and then we just ran the time off the clock but yeah he was right. That's how – okay. We've got uh, a little bit more time in our Iron Bowl recap discussion here. So I just want to talk about why Henry has now surpassed – I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm living in the moment. But, man, Henry might be now, to me, the most impressive running back I've seen since I've started following Bama. And th- this is why. He's doing it. He is the only one that was asked to be the entire offense. Other than Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was for a couple games. Um Nobody's carried the ball 46 times. I just, I don't know. There's something about Henry. They kept saying after the game, this is what Saban actually said during the press conference, which I happily was able to attend. Somebody asked him, uh, you know, 46 carries for Henry. What do you think about that? And he goes, after every drive, Henry would come back to the sidelines. I'd say, hey, how do you feel? We can get someone else in there. He said, no, coach, give me the ball. I'm going to win this game. 46 carries He's later, clutch. man. The kid's clutch. I mean, an Iron Bowl rushing record. Yeah. I, you know, I, Patrick, I don't know. I, I don't put him in the conversation yet with, well, yeah, no, I do. I do. His numbers I, are better than Ingram's. And now I he's work, on the I don't, I'm not looking at numbers, award. Patrick. I'm not looking at numbers. I'm so sick of looking at numbers and statistics. What they meant to their teams. Alabama, when Mark Ingram won the Heisman Trophy, Alabama had not won a national championship in 17 years. But that's and not going to tell me that Henry's – or that I think Henry's a better running back than Ingram in college. I'm still not sure. I'm still not convinced that Derrick Henry's pass-blocking ability is as good as Mark Ingram's. No, it, it, it absolutely isn't. It absolutely, you're right about that. You got me there. But his numbers have now surpassed every running back on our list that we would name. And now I, think, I think Ingram hit the holes harder. I think Trent hit the holes a little bit harder. And I think Mark Ingram was a much, much more elusive running back. Now, part of that's his size. But when he I got mean, the we, game on the line, I'm putting the ball in Henry's hands. And I'm putting it in Ingram's hands. But it's funny. Neither it's a good of us, discussion. Either neither way. Neither of us put it in Trent's hands, even though out of the three of these people, you know, he was the one that was supposed to go as far, you know, he was supposed to be the next Barry Sanders in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. You, know? you can actually make arguments for either one, any of them. But now Henry is now in that discussion, at least. I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that Henry's now in the discussion with those other two. He has firmly put his stamp there. Yeah. And then you throw Sean Alexander in there, now you got – now you 
because you could make an argument for him too. He just played it in a different era. Put Sean Alexander behind these offensive lines that we've had. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It's no, a I, fun discussion that nobody's yeah, ever going to Yeah, it's a totally fun discussion. Win. We had it a couple of weeks ago, so we're not going to get back into it. But I don't, I don't know. I don't, you know, I work in golf. I like having T2, T3, T4. Uh, I, I'm putting Derrick Henry tied for second right now with Trent Richardson. I think Eddie Lacy has a solid hold on third. I think Mark Ingram's got a solid hold on one just because what they meant to their teams. I'm not looking at statistics anymore. I'm tired of that. I'm sick of it. Then again, this team is Derrick Henry. Yeah. yeah that, that's a great point. But it's not like Derrick Henry's coming out of here uh, or coming out here from wherever is marked from Flint, Michigan. I mean, he's from Uly, Florida. Alabama was already established. And now, granted, you know, no, actually they weren't. When Mark Ingram committed to Alabama, they were a 6-7 win ball club. It took a lot of guts to come out of here. I don't know. I just, I don't. The, put... is, the question, is the question who meant more to their team or who's the better running back? I think the better running back means more to their team at the time that they came to that team. And I still think Mark Ingram meant more to that team. And I know that's ridiculous to say because now we look at, oh, well, if Derrick Henry's hurt, who do we have? But we'll never know what Kenyon Drake would have been like as the starter this season. We'll never know. You know, like. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a great discussion, and I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong at all for putting Henry at first. Like I said last week, you can put any of the guys that we named in first place and have a legitimate argument for all of them. But anyway, we're getting off track. Uh, let's curve it back. Kirby Smart's going to Georgia, Patrick. News came out last night. I was leaving work when I found out, and I called you. We yes. talked a little bit about it. What does this mean for Bama right now and then beyond this point? Right now it's just a... Well, I don't want to. I don't know how big of it. It's just a. It is a distraction. I mean, players are thinking about it. Players have built this relationship with Kirby Smart. Now they're wondering, is he going to be here for the rest of the year? We've got some big games ahead. Um, long run, to be honest. I love Kirby Smart. I love what he's been able to do. I am not taking anything away from his achievements and accomplishments and his thumbprint on these Alabama teams, but. I don't know that it's going to make an, a huge impact. I'm sure we'll feel some of it in some schemes and some formations and some lineups. But Nick Saban is, I still think, the architect of the defense. I think Kirby Smart is there to teach Nick Saban's defense, and he's a great teacher. But I think Nick Saban will have as much involvement as he needs to have until his new guy can do what Kirby Smart was doing, and I don't think that'll take long. Um, the question is... Who all is going with Kirby? Everyone's talking about people going with Kirby. Who's going to replace Kirby? But I just want people to ease the brakes and, and remember that Nick Saban is in charge of this team, especially the defense. And we don't know that anything's happening yet. There's not been an official Technically, word no. Technically, from no. Alabama. Now, I know it's it's a little bit different, but this whole Les Miles scandal that we're going to get into next, uh, which I have some strong opinions about, so be ready. Uh, you might want to turn your speakers down if you're listening at home. I'm just, I'm not buying into anything. I'm buying into the fact that Kirby's leaving Alabama, as he should. Now, you and I are going to get into a discussion in a couple seconds about whether or not he should leave right now or wait till the end of the season. And I think you and I differ on that. We do. Yeah, actually, we very much do. You're wrong, and it's fine. But you're, you're wrong. wrong. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm not buying into Scott Cochran leaving. That's what everybody's all upset about. I'm not sure how much it matters anyway. I know he's a great, sort of, he's a great face, Patrick. 
But every single time I hear about what Scott what what does Scott Cochran do? Well, he's really loud. Well, he's okay. loud. He's a strength and conditioning. So he just has no, a very I, I know, vast know, knowledge of what it takes that. But what does to have a four-year program to get physically you know. do for the program that somebody else can't do is what I'm saying. How vital is he? You know, and I, I guess we'll find out if he does leave. Well, I haven't heard anything other than rumors about him leaving, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't blame him if he left. But at the same time, I'm not going to be too upset if he leaves. Me neither. I'll be more upset about Kirby Smart. The only people that know who Scott Cochran is is Alabama fans and then fans of other teams that have come to Alabama and heard him yell on the Jumbotron. Honestly, because you name me one other strength and conditioning coach on another school. Yeah, it's not that the, they're not important. It's just that they're replaceable. Otherwise, you would hear about them all the time, and they'd be like offensive and defensive coordinators. Yeah. Um, so replacements, guys that can uh, come in and be what hopefully what Kirby Smart was to Alabama. Um, a, a bunch of names flying around. The one that I like is Jeremy Pruitt because, and I'll tell you the reasons, he's coached for Saban. Um, he's a Saban guy. He's got a Saban demeanor. Um, his strength is something that, until about this year had been a, a had been troublesome and that's the defensive backfield um and he's proven a defensive coordinator he let a lot of people are mad they call him a traitor I, I don't get it i don't get it he was our defensive backs coach so a positional coach and he left and went to florida state because he got a defensive coordinator offer at a premier program it just seems like a no-brainer yeah well yeah I want to be a head coach one day. That's the next logical step. Then he decided I should go to the SEC, so he went to Georgia. Now Kirby's probably not going to retain him. I'd love to see him in Alabama. FSU yeah. and had a great defense when he was there. The fans were mortified that he left. That when he left, they were so upset when Pruitt left. They were betrayed, maybe. Patrick, we I, like, betrayed. I like to think of, you know, because I relate my life to college football daily because I love college football. Of course. Uh, I like to think of, and you and I are kind of in a business that's not similar to college football. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But you and I both know, if you are in local news, if you're a producer in a 100 market, in a top 100 market, and you get a call from a top 50 market, and there's not something that's really, really holding you back, you're going to go. Yeah. Because it's more money, money, and it's a bigger market. You know, Patrick, if you're, what is Panama City Beach? What's that market? We're 154. So you're 154. If you got a call from like a top 100 market, you would go. Yeah. You would go, and no one would blame you. And that's what I mean is when these coaching switches happen, I'm a production assistant. I work in production. If a producer from another network – well, I I love where I work, so I can't imagine this happening. It would have to be the perfect network at the perfect time because I love Orlando as well, and I love the Golf Channel. But if someone called me – from just my dream job network and just said, we've got this job set up for you. The pay is a little bit better. Come and work for us. I would at least think about it. That's just how it works. And I I think that's applicable to any job where you don't have like a family or something that's holding you to a specific area and to a specific town. I just Uh, think there are a lot of Bama fans that don't understand how these coaching changes work. They don't understand there's a bigger world outside of Alabama football. Yes, the rumors are is that Pruitt's the top choice, but they're rumors. These are all rumors. We don't even know if he's interested in Pruitt. Maybe Saban wasn't a huge fan of Pruitt and let him look. So let's say it's not Pruitt. You and I have sort of talked about this, and this is going to piss off a lot of Alabama fans. Gene Chizik. It would make a lot of Auburn fans mad, too. They They would, as you brought up, they would be paying 
for him to come coach at Alabama. Yeah, because they're still paying him from his buyouts. So he would they would be paying an Alabama defensive coordinator. And he's a proven defensive coordinator. He has turned around that uh, North Carolina defense. And he's coached good defenses. What about Will Muschamp? He's the one, actually, ever... I don't know if I've told you that. Did I? Okay. A lot of people are thinking because Muschamp and Kirby are really good friends. I've heard that. I've that, heard that, he might, uh, that Kirby's yeah. trying to get Muschamp to come with him to Georgia, yeah, which would just heard. make me laugh. That's a scary recruiting duo, though. Yeah. That's oh, a, by the way, I'm Jeremy Pruitt you, is a great recruiter. If you get you Kirby know. Smart and Will Muschamp in the same offense, working on the same defense together, or in the same office, I should say, ew, that's a scary Georgia team for a long, long time. For a long time. Provided the that Kirby Smart proves to be a head coach. I know he's not proven. I have faith in the guy. Yeah. I do. I do. So, basically what we want everyone to do, and we've been kind of downplaying a lot of things during this Kirby Smart discussion here, is we want people to just calm down. Nick Saban's still involved with this team, of course, as much as he needs to be. He can take over any duty at any time. I would have faith in him taking over the offense if he had to, if Kiffin left tomorrow and left us high and dry. Honestly, we will be fine. Recruiting will be fine. Recruits aren't going to Alabama because of Kirby Smart and Kirby Smart alone. They're coming because what well, they're coming it sounds cocky, but they're coming because of Alabama, because we put dudes in the NFL and because of Nick Saban. Um now let's let you and I need to have a little spat. Back yeah. And forth. No. Well, hold on. Yeah. Th- I guess this is our spat, right? This is our spat. Yeah. You have told me you will not blame Kirby Smart if he leaves right now. And here's I will not what... hold it. No, I'll hold it against him if he leaves now. But if he stays, if he is in Athens on Monday, I'm not going to hold it against him. How can you? He has three games, and I get it. I get the recruiting crap. I get it. Georgia's a dumpster fire that's not going anywhere. And look. Look at his competition in the Georgia bed. Look it, at the recruits hold that on, are at Georgia hold on, right let now. Let me finish. Look at their recruiting record, class sir. and tell me that you don't want those dudes to leave. Oh, They've got the gosh. number one quarterback. Why? But here's the thing, Patrick. Just hold on. Just one second. Whenever he goes to Georgia, whether it's now or a month from now, he's going at one of those two points. Or I guess Monday in a month from now. He's going to be there at one of those two points. Do you really, really, really think that those recruits are that impatient that they can't wait a month to make <laughs> yes. that decision? They're 17-year-olds. Of course they're impatient. You Okay, so when you were 17, the biggest decision you've ever made in your life, you would not be willing to sit and wait for a month and see what happens. You didn't know 17-year-old Patrick, honestly. Listen, you're losing 30 whole days. I mean – not beyond i mean this just think about it it's a conflict of interest for him to stay we're recruit we're in a turf war georgia is beating us right now in recruiting and he wants to beat us in recruiting that's his dream job so he's potentially harming his future team next year if because he's got the number one quarterback the number one defensive tackle is a leaning georgia i mean there's all these guys that okay are looking by at that georgia. logic what's what if there's no him? head of georgia for 30 days and these dudes want to go ahead and get to know the players they're going to play with they might just say no thank you then what is stopping kirby smart from sabotaging the sec championship saturday patrick why will he not just go in there 
and throw up a goose egg, let Florida score 100 points on offense. If he's really that interested in sabotaging the program, or not sabotaging, but if he's really that interested in this competition and he wants to make Georgia look like the better school to go to, what is stopping him from going out and saying, you know what, run all over us? Guys, we're going in a dime defense. I don't care if they're in an eye formation. We're going in a goal line stand formation. I don't care if they've got five wide receivers out there. Because that's not realistic. Of course he's not going to – he's going to coach through – because it hasn't been announced. But honestly, like, he's – it's not unheard of for the dude to just – I mean, he's going to a premier program. It's not unheard this of is, for him to go there and get a head start on his team. Patrick, this is a situation that has not ever happened before. And so that's why you and I are having this discussion. There's he's not never... the first. He's not the first uh, high-profile coordinator to get a head coaching position. A- at a rival school, yes, he is. In the college football playoff era, I should say that he is. Because now it would, you know, then the discussion becomes, you know, and you and I have talked about this, and our spat's over, and we're fine. But I'm still angry at you. Yeah. Well, Tom Herman and. Should he you be able Ohio- to solicit coaches during the season? I don't think you should. Honestly, I don't, either, I don't think you should either. If I'm an Al- if I'm Cyrus Jones, if I'm Eddie Jackson or Reggie Ragland, and I don't know, they could be more mature than I am and probably are. Well, I know Cyrus isn't. If Eddie Jackson and Reggie Ragland are more mature than I am, and they're saying, you know what, Coach Smart has to leave right now, and I understand that. Good for them. But if I'm an Alabama defenseman, I'm pissed if he leaves. During our national championship run, when he said, this is our time, we're going to go out and do this as a team, and then the minute something better comes along, it's not even the fact, it's it's not a fact of if he stays, he's not going to get the Georgia job, he's going to get it. I'm angry that he doesn't stay with me and try and win me a national championship. Because you and I have always said, college football is a very what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game that's not suspended to just the media. Let's move on to Les Miles. Oh, you're assuming I'm done. Yeah, we can move on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. You can have the last <laughs> I don't know. There's, you, just, you there's, the no, there's no written rules. There's no written rules. Of course, he could he could sabotage the game. Now, there's 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 a he's pride thing that comes to. with that. That was obviously no, a huge not. hypothetical. But... Yeah, I mean, there's a pride thing that comes with that and, and, and a man's word, and he's going to coach the team. He's going to do his job through the weekend. But there's no written rule that says he has to stay or go. There's probably an agreement in place right now that just hasn't been announced. Either he promised Alabama he would stay, or Georgia said, we need you to go ahead and come, or you're not getting the job, we're going to move on. One of those two things happen. We just don't know which one it is. But no matter what happens, I'm not going to hold it against him, because he just got his dream job. Yeah. No, I, I will never I, – I will say that. I as, as pissed I will be if he leaves, Patrick, before the season's over, I won't hold it against him. I, I won't say. Oh, of course, I want him to smart. stay. Yeah. Because just... look at look at what he's done since he's been here. How can I be? I couldn't be mad at Saban if Saban did that this weekend. Because look at what they've done since they've been at Alabama. I remember in the '90s when I was happy to win six or seven games. This team's yeah, come too. a long, long, long way. One thing you and I can both agree on: Kirby Smart will be dearly, dearly missed. We can talk about replacements all day. There's not going to be another Kirby Smart. There's not. Now let's move on to Les Miles. Do you mind if I take this one, or you do you want to? We've discussed this, and I know you're going to get fired up, and that's better for the podcast. So, <laughs> floor is yours. 
I'll, I'll go for 30 seconds and I'll be done. Time me. Okay, starting in 3, 2, 1. ESPN stirred the pot so bad in this Les Miles situation, I cannot believe the amount of crap that they got through and that they made everyone believe. And I don't, I, you know, you can say sources. Well, sources say, sources told me, sources said this. You didn't know anything, and yet you reported stuff. You reported unconfirmed conditions and knowledge. And that, as a journalist, offends me and makes me extremely upset. And I'm doing everything that I can not to yell on the headset right now. ESPN, you are officially down there with Baylor, in my mind. You're not at Tennessee level yet, but you're down there with Baylor. I'm glad Les Miles still has his job. I don't think this is as big of a deal as it was without ESPN. I'm way past 30 seconds. Yeah, you're taken. You're, you're coming close to 50. Well, the guy that was spearheading this, the first dude to come out, was Joe Shad. Uh, and Joe Shad said, sources are telling me that he could be gone as early as Monday. Monday came and went. So then he just, every time he had a tweet from that point forward, it seemed like new information until nothing happened. But he seemed like, at the very end, they were retained him, but he acted like he broke the news, like he knew all along. But he was saying that he... He found out when Les Miles found out, turned to the camera and said, sources have just reported. No, so Shad, I'm not going to throw you... not, Les Miles literally just said it into your face. I'm not going to rip... I'm not going to... Th- because I, until this week, I mean, I always had a lot of respect for Joe Shad. I did I too. I thought Joe Shad was pretty good. But Absolutely. Joe Shad this past week went full Chris Broussard. Never go full Chris Broussard. Because the NBA free agency of this last year was awesome. But Chris Broussard just looked like a fool through the whole thing. Mark Cuban made him look like an idiot this year. And Joe Shad kind of had shades of that. He didn't go full. He, he went full Chris Broussard, but I'm not going to say that he's Chris Broussard yet. Yeah. Multiple sources. I'm glad Les Miles still has his job. I'm incredibly disappointed with the journalistic integrity and media strategy that ESPN has employed, as I said in my sound off a couple weeks ago. That's where we're going to leave that before I get more upset, because I'm very proud that I've kept my de- decibel meter during this talk at negative six. Okay. It's not like you were talking about Baylor or anything. That's, are you are you trying to get it to one? <laughs> you trying to get the decibel meter to one? Good lord. People have no idea what we're talking about if they've never stepped like in like an audio booth or seen audio levels or anything. They just they think I'm just like talking about my mad meter. Okay. SEC championship game preview. Patrick, this is a question I asked my dad earlier this week, and he had said he had asked people before I even brought it up, and so I thought it was really funny when you asked me a couple minutes ago. Is this SEC championship game going to be an easier or more difficult game for Alabama? Than the Auburn game, you mean? Excuse me. Than Auburn. (laughs) I'm so flustered. (laughs) I'm so flustered. i got to refocus. Go ahead. I I think it'll be easier. Honestly, we're not on the road. The crowd is it's it's going to be much more even crowd 50-50 maybe even leaning some Alabama, and because uh, they've got a longer drive, and the crowds not going to be as chippy. Yeah, I think it's I think they have very similar problems, but I actually think Aub- Auburn's offense right now is better than Florida's. Defense are not as strong, but Florida is just oh my goodness, 
That offense oh looks That bad. offense is awful. Yeah, it's night. just Treon Harris does not fit that offense. It was he good under not. Will Greer, good, not great, and now it's just become abysmal. They didn't here's score a, a single point against Florida State at home. Here's, here's a fun game. Pick one, Jeremy Johnson or Treon Harris. Jeremy Johnson. Every time. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe we're saying that, but yeah. I, I No, I agree. Uh, Jeremy I did, Johnson's problem was his head. And then w- once he fixed that head, he just faced a bunch of really tough defenses. Yeah. And now now there's rumors saying that he could, again, the rumors, I'm not pulling an ESPN, I'm not reporting this at all. There are rumors saying that Jeremy Johnson has decided to transfer and, yeah. has ma- and had made up that decision before the Iron Bowl even started on Saturday. But he's the next Cam Newton. Remember, don't forget. He's, he's the next Cam Newton. Uh, he needs to be the next Chris Todd before he's the next Cam Newton. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I oh, went there. Oh, Chris Todd. Who was, was he the one that saw double? Do you remember that? There was one Auburn quarterback that got hit so hard that, like, the next two weeks he saw double. And when he said that, I just – it made me laugh so hard. I don't know. I can't remember I who that is. I one of our listeners. He's a quarterback for the 3-2 to two win against Mississippi State. Yeah, one one of our listeners will definitely remember that little fun piece of trivia. Brandon Cox, maybe. Maybe it was Brandon Cox who saw double. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Patrick, I you know, when we look at this Florida defense, they're very very strong. The offense looked awful against Florida State, like we've said. Florida State didn't really run all over them. Didn't really. It was, Dalvin it was more, Cook ran all over them, but he's uh, Dalvin Cook. He's Dalvin Cook, and I, I think that's a plus to us that we got Derrick Henry. Do you think this game is going to be more of the Jake Coker show than we're used to seeing? No, because, unless, I don't know, Flora's de- secondary with Jalen Tabor and Hargreaves, who's the best in the nation at his position, would eat Coker alive if we relied on Coker. Um, so I actually think that this is going to be a very Henry-filled game. I even think we'll see a lot more of Harris in this game than we saw last week, just because I don't think the game's going to be as close early. But who knows? Who knows? I don't, I don't even know that. Just if I were to guess, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of running because Cook had, had you know, success against them last week, had a, several impressive touchdown runs. And those two dudes in the secondary, plus they've got some really good safeties as well. They probably have the best secondary in the SEC. So I don't – I hope we don't rely too much on Coker because that's how – I uh, will get in trouble. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I, I think I can, ex- we can both expect a big game from Derrick Henry on Saturday. And I think if we see a big game, he will be holding the Heisman trophy. Yes. Uh, Patrick, go ahead. Give me your score prediction for the SEC championship game on Saturday in Atlanta. I went with 34, 10. I think the offense is going to be more coherent. Um, next week. Remember, we would have put up that many against Auburn last week, too, had it not been for a uh, negative eight-yard run on second and goal from the inch line. I, th- I don't know. I just think we're a very consistent offensive team. I think we can put up about 34 points for the end of the year. And our defense, I'm going to give Florida one touchdown, like garbage time maybe, or early in the game. I, I don't know. I just don't see it being close is the word. I don't know. If people are watching the game, the casual fan's never going to go. Alabama might lose, if you ask me. No, 
No, everyone that I've talked to at work, and you and I both work in Florida, we're surrounded by orange and blue. Everyone that I've talked to at work, the Florida grads, Florida fans, non-college football fans, avid college football fans that are Big Ten people, everyone says we're going to kill Florida. I don't know if we're going to kill them, Patrick. I, I, I think this game is going to be a little bit closer than people expect. I don't expect Alabama to lose at all. But I think it's a little disrespectful to put Alabama as a 17-point favorite. Not that I don't think it's going to happen, because my score prediction is 27-9. to I don't see Florida scoring a touchdown. Uh, that offense is so bad. So bad. Uh, I will say this, though, to sort of argue with myself. The Auburn game was only the second time this season Alabama didn't score 30 points. And they scored 29. That's just something to think about. I'm going to say 27 to 9. Florida's offense struggles. Their defense can hold up for a little bit, but it'll be a lot like the Florida State game where Dalvin Cook or, in this case, Derrick Henry, will sort of just wear them down, chip away, chip away, chip away. And uh, we'll go from there. Patrick, quick Heisman talk, real quick. Let's let's take two minutes. We won't call it a hot take because we got hot takes later. Yeah. Quick Heisman well, I talk. Think, I think Heisman is – I don't even want to say it's coming down to this weekend, but I do think it's a two-man race, and here's why. There are two marquee guys that are going to be playing, and they're going to be playing for their spot in the playoff. There's two guys, and then McCaffrey will also be playing this weekend too, but Watson and Henry are the two that if they win, they're in the playoff, and I think they're one and two right now as it is. But I think it's Henry's to lose. I think Henry really needs I to agree. play a bad game and or we lose at the same time. For him not to win. I think if we win, he gets 150, 130 yards and two touchdowns. I think he's safely in there. Um, I think if he gets 90 yards and two touchdowns, he wins the Heisman. But if Watson comes out, scores six, seven, has a deck Prescott against, uh, who did he play? Arkansas kind of game. Who knows? But Watson is a great leader. And if he puts up six touchdowns, three passing, three rushing, there will be a better discussion. But I think... Most people right now have Henry as the guy they have pegged in just because of the way he's carried the team and the numbers he's put up, and, and, and he's played his best in the biggest games on the biggest stage, and we've seen it time and time again. Um, but you've got another guy in there that you think could I think I think people are really high on giving the Heisman to the guy who sort of takes November and makes it his, or not even takes November, but just has crazy amounts of stats. I don't think this guy has – I think Derrick Henry's going to win the Heisman given he does not have a colossal come apart on Saturday against Florida. If he but plays a decent game, because I said he needed to play a good game against either Auburn or Florida, I think he played a great game against Auburn. Despite only having one touchdown that came in the last 30 seconds, I think he played a great game. He took it over. There's no other argument for it. He took it over. 46 carries are taking over the game. I think the guy that everybody's starting to look towards now, I said Baker Mayfield a couple weeks ago. Now I'm saying Christian McCaffrey, just because of the amount of all-purpose yards he has. If you just take him as a running back, he's not that impressive. Take him as the kick returner, running back, wide receiver, everything that he is. He's their Kenyon Drake, but a successful Kenyon Drake. And I'm not saying that Kenyon Drake's unsuccessful, but he's just not what we thought he would be. So Kenyon Drake I, might have those numbers if he was our main running back, but he doesn't. He might. Um, he might. But so I'm going to say McCaffrey's the other guy, but it's definitely Derrick Henry's to lose. Makefield uh, didn't do enough last week for us to put him in by not playing this week, I guess. Because remember how much a lot, 2011 yeah. Trent Richardson was hurt for not playing. We're going to talk a lot more about 
the Heisman next week because that's and when we'll talk a lot more about Mayfield in the coming weeks too because the big question I don't want to spend too much time on it but can we beat Oklahoma well, let's talk about that after Florida all right we'll get there we'll get there hey Patrick it's December okay and when you think of December you think of Christmas when you think of Christmas you think of Christmas trees the holidays you think of maybe a menorah dreidel Kwanzaa if you please we're not discriminatory here. But you also think of winter, right? Go outside, maybe it's a little chilly. Look outside, and there's a little snowflake. But I'm not interested in snowflakes right now, Patrick. You know what I'm interested in? Hot. Hot takes! Hot takes! It rhymes with snowflakes. Hot flakes. Happy December, by the way. Happy we December. we got lots of hot takes today. We have a ton of hot takes. We're going to take 10 seconds on each. These have nothing to do with Alabama, Patrick. Your surprise team in the NCAA this season, go. Yeah, Alabama's not, a, not allowed to be any kind of answer here. All right, surprise team, UNC. They lost to South Carolina on the first weekend. I watched the whole game, thought, wow, South Carolina looked bad. UNC looked way worse, and they haven't lost since then. Go, Tar Heels. Uh, Gene Chizik has looked great, just throwing that in there. My surprise team is Iowa. Nobody predicted Iowa to have a big season this year. Everybody knew that Ohio State was the team to beat in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, everybody knew they were the team to beat. Iowa has come into that discussion, and they have a very, very real shot at making it to the college football playoff. Patrick, who is your surprise player this season? Coleman from Baylor. I know you don't like Baylor, but I did not expect a guy to have a season like Coleman did at Baylor. I Uh, expected somebody, a quarterback from Baylor, to have a big season. Yes, but Coleman was a monster, a monster until his quarterback went down. Yes. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. We've already talked about everything he does. He's a great all-purpose player, does whatever he can for the team. He's a big sort of anomaly and minority in college football now. He's a white running back, and we just don't see that very much anymore. Although I say that, now I think about it, I think Stanford's had three in the past five years. Georgia Biggest has disappointment one too. Uh, this season. Oh, I wanted to ask that one. Biggest disappointment. Who's yours? I asked anyway. I'm saying Utah. Utah was a huge disappointment, Patrick. It was just, they had a head full of steam. Their schedule looked great. Looked like they weren't really going to lose that much this season, especially once Oregon started going downhill. They lose a game, then they lose another, then they get wiped out by USC. Just not that impressive anymore. I'm very disappointed in the way Utah finished out their season. Oregon, I had them in my final four, uh, and they just, I think they've lost three games. They actually got blown out by your disappointment, Utah. Yep. I don't know. I just I, I just thought Oregon had built a thing that was going to be a contender every year. They might be back next year, but I don't Oregon know. Oregon got blown out in Eugene. Yeah. Don't forget that either. They lost at home. They got blown out at home. What do we get right in the preseason? You, you go first because this is going to be longer than 10 seconds, and it needs to be because I'm proud of you. All right, all right. I mean, I wasn't going to spend too much time on it, but they still got one game to go, but I've bragged about it a lot, and I picked Clemson in my final four, and I picked Deshaun Watson. as I, I actually picked him to win it, but as a Heisman finalist. I can't believe you did that. I, you're right, but I, I just can't believe it. I didn't think the ACC had any shot of getting into the playoffs this year. I thought they were going to self-implode and collapse, and they proved me wrong. Clemson, Dabo, well, Sweeney, North Carolina still in there strong. about it. On the other side, my team that was sort of an outlier like that was Notre Dame. I came close, Patrick. I came close. I came really, really close. So that's all I'm going to say there. Notre Dame, 
still with a chance to make it into the playoff. Probably not going to happen. They still have a chance. Who is your team for next year to win the title that's not named Alabama? A team you're looking for is going to be, you know, I, I, I'm going with FSU, honestly. It's just, it's, I guess it's kind of easy to handpick one of the ACC teams and go, if they beat Clemson, they'll be in. Like I said about Clemson, if they beat FSU, they'll be in. But that team is young, and they finished the year strong. And they've got Dalvin Cook coming back because he's only a true sophomore, and they're going to be bringing in one of two different five-star quarterbacks to run the offense if Sean McGuire doesn't start next year like a lot of people think he won't. They'll be someone to look out for. Uh, that's a good That's a good point. I'm going Michigan. I think Jim Harbaugh has done a lot for that program in the short time that he's been there. Once he gets some of those uh, upperclassmen back on the defensive side of the ball, Patrick, that team is going to be really, really scary. I think Ohio State's kind of on a decline. A lot they're going to lose some guys. They're going to lose some guys. A lot of players really pissed when they're leaving, too. That does not look good on your program. Patrick, let's finish out these hot takes strong. Your best 2015 regular season moment for us. Remember... No Alabama answer. Who is oh, yours? Oh, this was different. This one was supposed to be different for us when I when I put it up because we were allowed to al- allow Alabama in this one. No, I, I don't like that. I, I like I changed it on you for, on purpose. I want to see how you think on the fly. Then do yours while I think of mine real quick. Arkansas beating Ole Miss. That game was unbelievable. I was sitting at work and could not believe what I was watching. That was my favorite moment of the season. Uh, I will say honorary mention. Uh, the Army football team carrying out the French flag after the events that happened in Paris uh, back in the middle of November. That was a very, very great moment for college football. Uh, LSU did something similar, and I thought that was a really, really cool thing and a great way to show respect. Now, your 2015 regular season moment. Hot takes are in and hot takes are getting warm, Patrick. Who or what is your moment? You gotta, uh, okay, uh, I'm going to go with Auburn taking Jacksonville State to overtime. That's a good one. Florida Florida FAU is up there, too. Can I say what my real best moment of the season was? Fine. This weekend, in Jordan-Hare, Derrick Henry scores, and that place was silent. And that silence was the best silence I've ever heard. Like letting air slowly out of a balloon, wasn't it? They were a ramp bunctious that whole fourth quarter derrick henry scores they had just dropped three straight passes derrick henry scores two plays later that place was ghostly in a great way yeah yeah no i i I agree uh okay that's it for hot takes they're now cold they are cold takes patrick we're done they're over we're almost wrapping up here. You and I might have dinner this weekend. You're coming down to Orlando. You're going to spend some time at Disney. I'm a little caught up at work. We're going to see how much I can get done. Might go in tonight. Definitely going in on my day off tomorrow. Had to do the podcast today, though. Got to. Uh, I, 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 I do think we'll have dinner. I'm hoping, best case scenario, we'll at least get to watch the second half of the SEC Championship uh, together. I will be honest. I'm, I'm almost – no, I will say this. I am more excited – to see Lane than I than I am to Thank see you. you. Thank I you. Think. Well, we're going I, for a wife great, thing, but great um, girl. I'm gonna enjoy our our bro thing as well. But we're going for a wife thing. But we'll have a man thing later. We will. We, that sounded so weird. That sounded so weird. Social media. Pat's interference on Facebook. Pi underscore podcast on Twitter. You can go to our website at patsinterference.com. All our episodes are on iTunes. If you miss an old episode, you want to hear it again. You just want a little bit more of the Patricks in your life. We understand how it is. Just shoot us an email. We can send you any of our past episodes. They're all still saved. 
It will take a total of five minutes. You can listen to anything we have ever recorded, bonus podcasts, episodes, anything. Just let us know. Patrick, give me your sound off for this week. Let's end it strong. I'm going to give you my sound off. It's it's all about Johnny Manziel. Okay, Alabama fans, I know that that name riles something in you, but I'm not the kind of Alabama fan that just hates a player because he beat us in college. That's just not me. If he beat us, he beat us. Good luck in the NFL. Hope you don't beat us. And then he didn't beat us the next time. So Johnny Manziel, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, but basically the video surfaced. I don't remember who released it, Deadspin or someone like that, of him partying again drinking going crazy yelling whatever he was doing i didn't watch the video i just know that it happened and so he was immediately demoted to third string the team said they were horribly disappointed and they were going to do their best to help him but what came out later was that he lied to his coaches which to me is actually a bigger thing huge dude he's the quarterback of the team he is he was the starting quarterback and he's going to start the rest of the year and he blew his chance. Some team will have him next year. I don't think it'll be the Browns. But Johnny Manziel, I was starting to come around on him. He was being more professional this year. And he's just he is just so infuriating. I could not imagine being a Browns fan and having that guy on my team. Because when you have your quarterback, that's a dude you got to trust your entire franchise with in the NFL. But you can't even trust him to tell you the truth. Nah, coaches, that was an old video. Oh, wait, no, the timestamp says it wasn't. It was recorded last week during our bye week. And that you don't think that makes a reflection on the players? To have the guy that you're supposed to be able to trust now just lie into the coach's face? No, he cannot stay in Cleveland. He doesn't need to stay in the NFL much longer. He's got one more, maybe half a season, maybe a preseason to get it figured out. What a sad story for that guy. He just can't get it right. He's he has got to be the most immature Heisman winner that's ever lived. Your turn. That's a good one. That's a good one. I didn't even think of that. I'm going to go on and sort of rip on NCAA basketball. Alabama getting a huge win right down the road in Orlando a couple days ago, beating awesome. Wichita State, then going back and beating Notre Dame, and a couple nights later, big big win for Alabama basketball. Excited to see what Coach Avery Johnson does. However, NCAA basketball has become one of the most unwatchable sports when it's not March, that I can think of. I would rather watch the Mariners play, like, this past year's Red Sox than watch a single minute of a college basketball game. The shot clock is way too long. Nobody's really that talented anymore. We get really hyped up about these Anthony Davis types. But, Patrick, when you watch the games, when you actually sit down and watch the games, they're getting double and triple teamed and hacked. So, yeah, they're getting 29, 30 points, but it's because they're shooting 13 or 14 free throws a night. I'm just so tired of NCAA basketball. Last night at work, I turned on ESPN just to try and watch anything, something, even an NFL recap. But all I could get was Virginia Tech and Ohio State basketball, Nebraska, and I think it was Colorado basketball. And I I just, I'm so sick of the NCAA basketball. They got to move that shot clock, Patrick. It's just ridiculous. Turn Turn it on in March. Just turn it on in March. You'll be fine. I agree with you. A little bit earlier than that for the conference championships. But, yeah, I agree with you. Patrick, give me your score prediction one last time. I changed it because I realized that Florida's kicker, Austin Harden, is he's not money. So I'm not even giving him one field goal. I made it 34-7 from 34-10. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. I'm still going 27-9. 
just because Adam Griffith couldn't make any field goals either this year. And this is my little shout-out respect to Adam Griffith. If Adam Griffith can do it, Harden, you can go do it too, buddy. You're a dental student, but you play with a lot of heart. You go out there and you kick your heart out. You kick your heart out. Okay, that's it for Path Interference. That was episode 14. Let us know what you thought. Follow us on social media. Listen to our episodes. Good luck to everybody going on this week. We're so close to a holiday break, guys. Just put your head down and keep moving. Patrick, I will see you in a couple of days. This has been Pat's Interference. Roll Tide, everybody. Deuces, healthy.